The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. This is Beyond Confidence with your host, Divya Park. Do you want to live a more fulfilling life? Do you want to live your legacy and achieve your personal, professional, and financial goals? Well, coming up on Divya Park's Beyond Confidence, you will hear real stories of leaders, entrepreneurs, and achievers who have stepped into discomfort, shattered their status quo, and are living the life they want. You will learn how relationships are the key to achieving your aspirations and financial goals. Moving your career or business forward does not have to happen at the expense of your personal or family life, or vice versa. Learn more at www.diviapark.com and you can connect with Divya at contact at diviapark.com. This is Beyond Confidence, and now here's your host, Divya Park. Good morning, listeners. It's Tuesday morning, and I am here with you. So excited to be with you. And this is one of my favorite weeks of the year because it's a Thanksgiving week. You know, what better way to bring in positivity and joy in your life than being thankful? We take so many things for granted. So it's so important that we are thankful and recognize the things that are available to us. So folks, a couple of things that I'm going to share with you. One, if you've not got a copy of our books, you can see a couple of books in the background. We are giving away some of the profits to people impacted by COVID-19 or by pandemic or by anything else, because we believe in entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs bring about change. And then secondly, I'm inviting you to donate one hour of your time every month without any strings attached. So folks, I wanna take this minute to thank you for being part of my family, reaching out to us, messaging us, and following us consistently because without you, the show would not be possible. So let's get started and invite your guest in. Welcome, Shelly. Hi, Divya, how are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So tell us a bit about yourself, Shelly. Sure, so I'm an entrepreneur, author, mother of three. Um, I just wrote a book called Untethered about my journey with my husband's bipolar disorder. Um, so it's quite a journey. It starts out about, you know, 20 some years ago when we got married and there were a lot of life lessons learned with his diagnosis. And, you know, we had ended up in a divorce situation. So there was a tremendous amount of turmoil and animosity, but we came full circle and I ended up helping save his life. And as a result, I went into healthcare and launched a company called Geostar Global Institute of Stem Cell Therapy and Research. There, our Chicago location is headed up by me, and um, I've been living the life ever that since then. Mel, tell us, 
that when you were a child, you know, did you have any interest in becoming a doctor or engineer or a beautician or a painter? What was it that you desired to be? I did. My heart and soul was to become a doctor. And, you know, I didn't end up pursuing it in terms of my academic, uh, you know, experience or whatnot. But at the same time, you know, I did come kind of come full circle and ended up doing something in the field itself, just in a different capacity. So, yes, I, I've always wanted to help others. I've always felt that that is my purpose. You know, even with my book, I want to help others understand mental illness to help break the stigma and to make people realize there is hope. Mm hmm. So tell us about a time in your childhood when you remember doing something fun or just being a child. You know, I remember my whole life uh, in the evenings was spent with my parents, you know, and, and we had a very strong sense of family, you know, whether it was eating dinner every evening and watching Tom Brokaw on the nightly news, or it was playing tennis. My family had a passion for being outdoors and for activities like tennis. So, you know, those are very fond memories of my childhood. They built confidence in me. They built structure. And, you know, I really look back at my childhood very fondly. Very nice. So did you pursue tennis in school or as a sport itself? I did. I did. I got probably a little too competitive and as a result, kind of cracked. <laughs> but um, yeah, I did play in high school. Um, I really enjoyed it. I was a superstar at age nine. I was winning tournaments, you know, um, but I would I would tend to get nervous, you know, when it came to playing in college and I decided to focus more on my studies. Definitely. So tell us, as you were playing tennis, what were a couple of things that stood out for you, especially because, you know, what happens is that whenever you are in an e-sport, you don't have as much free time. And then you do miss out on a lot of fun activities, especially in high school with your friends. How did that play out? You know, I didn't see my time devoted to this sport as a loss or as anything that I was missing out on because I was building such a strong family foundation and such a strong unit of uh, just togetherness with the family that that is what we enjoyed and that is kind of what life was. And I, I had a social life, I had friends, but you know, I was kind of a goody two shoes in high school. I was the straight A student, never got into trouble. And you know, it was always my brother who was doing mischievous things. So I, I, I was very straight laced and very, very good girl. <laughs> so where did your career take off from? So my husband and I, yeah, my husband and I, we met in when I, we were nine years old and, you know, I ended up started dating him when I moved to for graduate school to Chicago. And so, you know, we've, our 
relationship flourished and my career actually took off after that. I started doing consulting. I worked for some big companies, Accenture and whatnot, started traveling. Um, and then I kind of realized I want to take a step back and we want to have a family. And so I wanted to be there for my children. And I ended up raising together with my husband, three beautiful children. And that is when, you know, after my husband had filed for divorce and almost everything precious to me had fallen apart. That is when I had that epiphany. I had the epiphany that I wanted to go into healthcare. And, you know, I had helped save my husband's life. I wanted to do something for other people. And so I launched this company and I crossed paths with the CEO of Geostar, Global Institute of Stem Cell Therapy and Research. His name is Devin Patel and Dr. Anand Shravastava. And we went from there and it flourished and I launched the Chicago Center. So every day, you know, we help patients with degenerative conditions, you know, suffering from arthritis, uh, sports injuries, autoimmune conditions. So why don't we come back to all of that? Let's let's mm -hmm. dive into your story first, sure. and then we can talk about how you're helping people and how you arrived at it. So tell us more about your student journey and like what did you major in and like what became your career. <laughs> Uh, oddly enough, I majored in political science, <laughs> so it had absolutely nothing to do with what I ended up doing in my career. Even my first job was in technology, actually, but I did do a master's in information systems at DePaul University, so it was more in line with technology, so I kind of leveraged that for my first job. But, you know, on the technology side of things, I was learning so much, but I was just not fulfilled. I just didn't feel, I felt like work was more of a job and it didn't drive my purpose and, and just my heart and soul wasn't into it. There was just something missing. And tell me what was that piece that was missing? Like, you know, when you were saying that that was a job, what were you looking for? Sure. I don't think I actually realized it then. I think you realized it. You realize it later upon reflection. I was following a path that I thought would please other people around me, whether it was my parents or my family or my friends. It was just what you do, you know, and so this was not me. And I needed to find myself and my own journey. And the only way to do that was to break away from what I was doing currently and to just take that chance and overcome the fear, you know, of exploring something else. Got it. So uh, tell us, like, you know, you said that you knew your husband since you were nine years old. Tell us a bit more about that. Sure. So I remember this so vividly like it was yesterday and we were playing ping pong and we had a ping pong tournament and we had everybody surrounding us, all our friends, all our family, and they were watching so intently who was gonna win this ping pong tournament. And I think it ends around what, 21.21. So we kept playing and you have to obviously win by two. So I think it went to, I'll have to ask him, but probably 37 to 35 or something crazy like that. And it was just such an intense experience. I He had this look of, determination. Like, I am going to beat you under any circumstances. Everybody's watching me. I have to beat you. And he did eventually win. 
Got it. And then as you grew up in middle school and high school, did y'all go together or? We were friends. So we were just, you know, our parents started vacationing together. They got closer and closer as, as the years progressed. Um, you know, we we had common friends, family friends. So, you know, it was more like he was kind of a brother relationship. So it didn't really flourish until into a romantic relationship until I was out on my own. And you mentioned that, you know, you connected back with him when you were in graduate school. So tell us a bit more about that time. Sure. So so that was the time when I came out of my shell and, mm -hmm. you know, I started to have a little bit more fun. I was, it was very easygoing. I started, of course, dating more, meeting people, um, you know, and, and we had the time of our lives. You know, we lived in downtown. I lived in downtown Chicago. He was there as well. Um, you know, I started to learn how to, how to cook. So I was embracing my culture at that point. And that's something that I love doing right now, even uh, throughout the years. So we had this beautiful bond and it was just this, you know, beautiful relationship that flourished into something more. And then once you got, uh, I'm assuming that right out of your graduation, you must have dated for some time and got married. Yes, yes. So we dated for about a year and a half, two years. Um, and then we planned a big, beautiful Indian wedding in Toledo, Ohio, where we grew up. And we were actually the highlight because we were the first two people in the same Indian community. And there was only, what, three, 400 families in the community itself that married one another. You know, and this was always like a lot of the parents' dreams, you know, that, oh, I'm going to, you know, match up so-and-so with so-and-so because, you know, it'd be perfect or whatnot. So we had this beautiful wedding and it, it was just an incredible experience. I remember it like it's yesterday. So when did you realize that your husband was going through the bipolar disorder? That was only about six years ago, five, six years ago. Um, he came to me actually back in oh, 2014 or so. And he said, I think I might have this disorder. And I, I pretty much brushed it off. And I said, you know what? I don't think you do. And I was so busy with the children. We were raising kids. We were, you know, taking care of the household that you get kind of, involved in yourself and your children as a mother that I just didn't pay too much attention. And, and sure enough, you know, everything imploded in front of me, you know, nearly a year or two later. So let me ask you this before he came to you, did you see any signs and how was your married life as you had your three kids? I did now that I look back, but I didn't recognize it. Um, my father-in-law was a practicing psychiatrist, so mm -hmm. I put my full faith and my trust in whatever really he said as a medical doctor. Um, you know, he had bouts of depression, but I always was raised with this idea of, okay, it's all right. You lost your job. It's okay. You know, get right back up and do it all over again. So I was his number one cheerleader and I was his number one support system. But yes, there were, you know, periods when he had these down cycles of depression, but it was really difficult to recognize any of the mania because his manic behavior was not so obvious. 
And I feel like, you know, this is a problem that people face because, it, you know, that's why they go two decades, literally, you know, or even one decade, because 69% of people with this disorder do not get diagnosed for one decade. So it makes perfect sense why this happens. Right. So were you also continuing with your own career while you were raising kids? I was trying to, yes, we had a consulting business. So I was doing some internet marketing, digital marketing, things like that. I was keeping myself focused and skilled. Um, you know, I also, before we launched the company was getting involved in, you know, stem cell research and was managing some marketing and operational types of things overseas. So I, I tried to keep myself active and going throughout this whole thing. So you're talking about a typical first generation Asian family where, you know, people are like, you know what, you're here, you're here to work hard. And one of the things was definitely evident when you were talking about going in the information systems. And I know that is stereotyping, but a lot of people are in there that, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. computer science and Asians, you know, it goes so pretty well. So you kind of followed that path. And then again, there are certain general expectations that something happens, you lose a job, like you said, and you know, brush it off. Or if you're not feeling good, brush it off and just kind of continue moving on. So now in hindsight, what would you tell moms or families or wives as to if they're seeing some signs, can you tell us a bit about signs and what can people look out for and how can they support? their spouse. It doesn't matter whether it's a guy supporting his wife or wife supporting her husband or yeah, partner. Either way, it doesn't matter. Sure. So some of the signs would be, you know, rapid speech, not sleeping for weeks, for days, could be for months, just depending on the situation and how bad it is. Um, some of the other signs are making huge life decisions and life changes very suddenly and very quickly without a second thought. So some out of character behaviors, because, uh, you know, you can tell kind of the difference if you're looking out for this. Um, some of the other things are, you know, grandiose behavior, feeling like, you know, they're on top of the world and they can change the world overnight and just have just unrealistic ideas and expectations about themselves. And this arrogance sort of sort of narcissism, right? that comes out from the mania side of things. And, and so these are very important things to look out for. And I think the biggest thing is the cycle of when they go from a manic high to a depressive low, right? Because there's other disorders here that play a role and could potentially be a narcissistic personality disorder or a you know borderline personality disorder. So it's important to watch that cycle. Um, I would tell the audience that, you know, one of the biggest things is to empower, you know, empower yourself and educate yourself about this condition. You know, talk to therapists, talk to psychiatrists, talk to, you know, everybody who knows, surround yourself with experts, you know, do research online, talk to, talk to people who have had personal experiences with this illness. Um, the second thing I would say is that communicate, communicate with their support system. So if your husband or your loved one is suffering and they're going to a therapist for whatever it may be, anxiety, depression, doesn't matter, 
communicate with the therapist and be a part of their healing journey. Because, you know, oftentimes we look at the physical, right? We look at patients who have, you know, diabetes or heart disease, and we're there with our spouses, right? We're there by their side to support them through this. But why aren't we there during, you know, a mental illness journey? Why is it different? So that's a very, very important thing that I did not do. Um, I would also, like I said, say have access to the therapist and to the doctors, because when it came time for me to be able to have access to support him and to help him, I didn't legally have that right. So that was a huge, huge barrier that if I had had that access to them and that credibility and that relationship already kind of established, it would have helped on this journey. You know, um, the one of the biggest things I would say is to separate the disease from the individual. And the one thing that kept me going in my, between in all the abuse and everything that I endured was the fact that I was a victim of the disorder. I was not a victim of his abuse. So if you can remember that in your heart, when you see your loved one behaving erratically or, you know, saying horrible things to you or being abusive, if you can step back and you can think about that and understand that concept and keep that in the back of your mind as a driving force to get through this, then eventually you could potentially help save a life. So let's go back to that time when you said that your husband came to you that, you know, he may have a disorder and you brushed it off, then how did things progress from there? So we went along our merry ways. My husband was traveling four to five days a week. So, you know, I did not see really what was going on and it was difficult to see it. And we were slowly growing apart organically just because there was some distance between us. We were kind of leading separate lives. You know, and, and so I attributed a lot of his behaviors to the stressful situation, to the high powered consulting job, you know, to everything that he was dealing with, to his childhood, to his, you know, totally dysfunctional childhood. And, you know, that was just kind of my doing and my fault in, the, in a sense, because I should have I should have heard him loud and clear. So. Would you be open to delving into his childhood? You mentioned about dysfunctional childhood. Tell us a bit about that. Sure, sure. Um, his parents, you know, they're, they're they're wonderful people. Don't get me wrong. I, I just feel like they were they were more limited. You know, their their focus was more on the community and what others think of them and how things are going to be perceived versus having a loving, growing, nurturing environment for the child. They were not there really for their children, according to my husband. Um, you know, there was a lot of verbal, uh, verbal lashings and turmoil in their family. There was just a tremendous amount of negativity. Um, you know, my husband's relationship with his parents were more based on uh, animosity towards others you know, or talking negatively about others rather than really having a wholesome, beautiful family that has a foundation built on more than just that. 
And I'm assuming that you knew about it since you kind of grew up with him. And what was the moment when you found out that he had that disorder and what went through your mind? Regret, Re regret and, and feelings of guilt, whether the guilt was justified or not. Um, I had feelings of guilt that I did not think out of the box and I trusted everybody around me, including my father-in-law to appropriately guide him from his medical expertise. Um, you know, I, I, I tried to take a step back and understand that it, it's okay. You know, I, I feel like I, sh I grew as a person and I realized that I should not feel that kind of guilt because everything that happened to me and everything that happened to us, there was a purpose. And I see that now. Mm -hmm. So how did you find out that he had bipolar disorder? So, you know, when we were apart for about a year and a half, he, um, he had a lot of animosity, obviously, towards me. It was a contentious divorce, and we were communicating pretty constantly. You know, there was still clearly love between us, but it was a very dysfunctional relationship because, you know, I had the children to worry about. We had the legal system and whatnot. So it was, it was the perfect storm, and I would beg him to go get treatment. And so... I made it my mission and my goal, no matter what anybody said about me, no matter what anybody said, that it, there was no hope that I was going to help this man. So whether my marriage was going to succeed or fail as a result, it didn't matter to me. And I pushed and pushed and I turned to his parents for help. I turned to therapists. I, I turned to lawyers. Nobody believed me. Nobody believed me. And eventually, you know, he did everything that pretty much I thought was going to happen, happened. So it was literally like me sitting back and watching this movie of this train wreck that occurs. And, you know, I told him he was going to lose his job. I said, you're going to you're going to be depressed. You're, you're going to lose everything that's precious to you. And you're going to wake up one day and you're going to regret it. And I'm not, and I even told him, I said, I'm not going to be here for you when that happens because of so much destruction that's occurred in my own life. Uh, of course, I didn't mean that, but ultimately I ended up um, helping save his life because sure enough, he did fall into that suicidal type of depression that was so bad. He had to have electroconvulsive therapy, ECTs, which is basically like an untreatable depression that you can't even treat with medication at that point. So I nurtured him back to health. I pushed aside the marriage. I wasn't concerned about our relationship. He wanted to get back together. And I, I just couldn't even process that at the time. And how did you go from there to getting back together? It took a lot of time. It, it took a lot of forgiveness within my heart of what had happened. Um, it took a lot of healing for me on my own personal front of, you know, the abuse that I had endured. And, you know, he ended up moving back into the house, but he moved into the bedroom, the basement bedroom and stayed there while I helped him nurse him back to health. Basically, um, he had his children around him that was really helpful for him, but it didn't happen overnight because this is not something 
you can just bounce back from and come back from like that overnight. So there may be a lot of people going through that journey. What would you tell them and tell us about the center that you were telling to us earlier and how that's playing out and how are you helping people? I, I would say, you know, first of all, the most, one of the most important things is after, after the patient is starting to recover, your loved one is starting to recover, don't forget about yourself. You know, everybody forgets about the caretakers and step back and heal your own trauma because it will come back to bite you if you don't. Um, whether that is going to therapy, you know, doing meditation, you know, you just have to step back and think about yourself as well. And, and I was always this nurturer and so many mothers are that they don't think about themselves, right? They're always looking at the patient or somebody else that they could help, whether it's their children or their spouse. So I would say that is very, very, very important. The other thing I would say is look beneath that mass of bipolar disorder and understand and realize that that person that you once loved, whether it is your son, your daughter, your spouse, whoever it may be, is somewhere in there and they're not dead, you know, and you may be going through your own turmoil and mourning his or her loss from an emotional standpoint, from a mental standpoint, but realize they will come back. They will come back if you hold on, because if you don't have that unconditional love for that other human being, then when they wake up from this and or they plummet into a massive, massive depression and become suicidal, they may very well follow through on those threats. So tell us about the work that you're doing right now. Sure. So I wrote a book called Untethered. It is a memoir about my journey, and it started out as a cathartic healing process and several years ago, just because I felt like, like I said, I needed to heal. And I used the pen and the paper to put everything out there, to put my thoughts and my feelings, my emotions out there. So and then it turned into this beautiful book and story. Um, and so we finished it. Um, I'm very excited to say. So we're hopefully going to be publishing it soon. Um, we've also been picked up by Hollywood producers to create a movie uh, from my book. So I'm excited about that as well. Um, you know, of course, my company is still around Global Institute of Stem Cell Therapy and Research. So every day, you know, we're helping people uh, in the Chicago area and nationwide. Well, congratulations. It's every author's dream to have their book picked out <laughs> to be yeah. a movie because, you know, they want to spread the message. So tell us about that, how you connected or somebody connected with you directly from Hollywood and what does the next steps looking like? Sure. So, you know, I think it was a matter of persistence. It was a matter of timing. It was a matter of you know, putting myself out there and really trusting in the universe. Um, I, I pretty much in my life journey so far have, touch wood, <laughs> beat the odds in so many ways that I, I realize now that anything is possible. 
you know, anything is possible if you operate from another place outside of your inter internal fears or your trauma. So, you know, it's just been an incredible journey. Right. So can you tell us like how you connected? I can't really too much go into that. Um, but I can say that, um, like I said, it was just timing and it was persistence on my part. And, and sometimes the universe just puts people in your path at the mm -hmm. right time. Well, that's wonderful. You know, it's great to hear that. Congratulations and you. wish you much continued success. And how would you say the relationship is between you and your husband now? Is he fully recovered? And how did your kids uh, move through the whole journey? And sure. what's next for you as a family? Um, so, you know, with this degenerative condition of this condition, you don't really fully ever recover, right? But it can be managed. And so he is managing it very well. Um, we have an incredible marriage. Um, you know, just I have a broader understanding of this illness and how it can impact him day to day. So there's much more compassion from my end of things, which really helps. Um, from his end, he knows all the turmoil and everything that he put us through. So it took him a long time to get past that guilt. But we, our marriage is much stronger than it ever was. So I, I feel blessed on so many levels um, that I was able to hold on and, and really fight for him. And he fought for himself too. Let's not forget about everything he did. So, you know, I, I feel he's an amazing father now. Uh, the kids just, they bond with him all the, all the time. Um, my children are doing wonderful. Of course, they went through a tremendous amount of turmoil. My daughter was 11 at the time. Now she's 17. Um, she's applying to art schools now. So she's living her dream and her life. Uh, my son is in high school and, you know, enjoyed cross country. So he's 14. He was only, what, eight years old at the time, somewhere around that age. So he was really little. And my 14-month-old baby at the time is now seven years old. So he's a little boy now and hopefully doesn't remember any of this. But, um, you know, it, it took a long time. I'm not going to say that it just happens overnight. But children, they amaze you because they have such a tremendous amount of resilience within themselves. And, you know, I didn't give the children enough credit because they really bounce back and they really learn from what you do. Right. So I try to be the best role model I can be and show them that there is hope in this journey of life, you know, and to come full circle. It can happen. And so whatever their dreams are, you know, I always tell them just don't give up. So more than anything, if I can build those values in my children and they become good, good people and do the right thing and live their lives to the fullest and learn from their mother's mistakes as well as their my, your, their mother's triumphs and their father's. Um, I feel like I've maybe done my job. Well, that's wonderful to hear. And thank you. Keep on doing the great work that you're doing. And it was nice to have you on the show, Shelley. Thank you so much. Well, thank you listeners for joining us today and 
thank you for being part of our family. We love you. And thank you, Jason. We'll connect next week. Same time. Take care. Thank you, Davia. Thank you for being part of Beyond Confidence with your host, Divya Parikh. We hope you have learned more about how to start living the life you want. Each week on Beyond Confidence, you hear stories of real people who have experienced growth by overcoming their fears and building meaningful relationships. During Beyond Confidence, Divya Parikh shares what happened to her when she stepped out of her comfort zone to work directly with people across the globe. She not only coaches people how to form heart connections, but also transform relationships to mutually beneficial partnerships as they strive to live the life they want. If you are ready to live the life you want and leverage your strengths, learn more at www.divyapark.com. And you can connect with Divya at contact at We look forward to you joining us next week.